The Classical Association presents Epic, Modern Writers, Ancient Stories, an audiobook of short stories written by entrants in the 2022 CA competition, who were inspired by Stephen Fry's trilogy, Mythos, Heroes and Troy. We're releasing one story a day for the next six weeks, so make sure you subscribe and follow the Classics Podcast and follow us on Instagram at the Classical Pod so you don't miss out on a single story in our audiobook. Relax, enjoy, and lose yourself in the world of ancient mythology. Oedipus Again by Kaylin Landers Read by James Renshaw The borrowed sword fell to the floor, faltering the cold hush of death. The last traveller stumbled in the distance, and once more, clawing through sandy odours and broiling heat, retired to a smudge on the horizon. The longest day of the year, Oedipus thought, watching the peculiar man fade out of sight. His lungs heaved in the dry air, back towards the sun. His throat burned with prophecy. It was not unusual for one like Oedipus to find himself prone to fits of snobbish hostility. Being raised in Corinth, the young prince delighted in humbling friends and philosophers alike, reaffirming, as he liked to phrase it, an Athena-esque intellect. And yet, until this day, he had never killed. It was a queer sensation. His hands swung for him, melded to the blade. They were not his. Ours. Not sure as to why, he remained fixed for a while, his body searing in the feverish heat. Maybe he awaited some punishment, some god to set him ablaze. The sounds of long dead bodies moaning and horses pleading blended into the same words that had tormented his mind for some time now. He wanted the punishment. But it was not time. So he walked on, past hollow gazes from dying eyes, resolved at last to continue his journey away from that forsaken place. Extricating the horses from their chains and salvaging any water he could from within the chariot, he regarded his victims one last time. The eldest, a man of fifty perhaps, watched him closely, and Oedipus could not help but stare back. The one who had provoked the altercation now seemed to him inexplicably close, a distant feeling of intimacy, like one formed in mutual bereavement, washed over him. Fool, he thought, breaking away from his gaze and, at last, advancing towards the hilt of the three-tailed crossroad. He mused, as was becoming a habit for him, for a while on the journey ahead. Deeming it unwise to follow the surviving traveller, he was left with two options. One fate. And retrieving one of his last coins from his satchel, he decided a coin toss would suffice. Outside up, he affirmed aloud, I'll go left. The road to Dallas was a long one, too bare in night, too fierce in day. Time passed in riddles and thought, words blending in the mist of sand above. 
It was not long before the leather from his sandals had lost their grip to the dust below, and his feet, constantly shifting, paled into a mess of slits and ash. It must not be long now, not too long, he decided, unaware of what distance he left behind, or that awaited him. Two days hence, Oedipus arrived in Daulis, a divine exhibition of Greece. The town swelled high into the azure crystal columns, dancing with the clouds, and songs of nightingales lulling the tumult of cognition. And there stood Oedipus, the mountain of the world passed him, the voices of Moirai tempered by the river's breath. He stepped through Elysium's soaring gates and followed the path. It led to a palace just as golden as the rest of the province. A Didalic contraption. Oedipus determined to venture within. An introduction would suffice, he smiled, beaming with a vanity only granted to nobility. Within, Oedipus was quickly presented to the resident king, Tereus. An ageing man, the king sat aloof on a remarkable throne. His face had already begun to wilt under the folds of time, and yet, Oedipus could feel an enormous strength within the black pretenses he stared through. A forgotten warrior, he thought, a bear chained to an ebbing frame. My gracious lord, Oedipus bowed, king of Thrace, I am Oedipus of Corinth, son of the virtuous king Polybus. I have travelled through the depths of Tartarus to find myself here, and I now humbly beseech your grace in granting me a place of residence during my stay here. Polybus, huh? His voice cracked through the hall, deep and ringing, actualizing the history Oedipus had presumed of him. I've met him. A good man. He paused, his eyes betraying his tongue. Your presence is embraced here. I will provide you with a room fitting of your status. You shall be held high, my son. Those words rung discordantly throughout the hall, and so did they in Oedipus's head, fusing into figures of a prophecy he had almost forgotten, and eyes that had almost died. I, I am forever in your debt, great king of Thrace. Tereus, my son. Life was almost perfect there. Oedipus had gained the trust of the royal family, with the king's wife, Procne, taking an especial affinity to the gifted prince, flaunting him through the town as mother does to son, introducing him to Daulus's esteemed young women, and adorning him in garments only spared for royalty. Oedipus returned quickly to his old ways, drinking, parading, and cruising through the streets of the fantastical town, making friends and foe in each passing day. Time was faster here. Life was easier here. Almost. Oedipus's nightly stroll took him out of the walls of Daulis and into remote nests of giants. The mountains breathed life into the night sky that no other deity could parallel. Lights flitted in songs of myth, following trails of the heroes dead and the ones yet to live. The air was clearer here, Oedipus ruminated, resolving now, since he had dismissed it for a while, to pray to the gods. 
I pitied him that night. It was deep into the night when he concluded his ritual, arising with a tranquillity akin to that of the velvet curtain above. It was now, in a sigh of peace, that he glimpsed a momentary flicker in the distance, a flame. It was not unusual for another to be out this late, and seized by a juvenile curiosity, he pursued. Drawing closer, the silence of the night was slit with a cry, a screech deafening to nature. The giants cowered below, and at the peak of the mountain he was there, the bear unchained. He stood frozen, his body searing in the feverish chill. Cruel and grotesque, he took the form of a wraith, his eyes lit up only by scalding intent, and beneath him a woman, pale in the face of death. Tereus, as he was now acquainted to calling him, you! His voice fumbled into the growing wind. The king was silent, his breath composed, his chest climbing and falling high above the howling of the wind. His hand melded to the blade, dripping with the fate of the men below him. In a flash, he had already pounced at Oedipus, swinging with that animal curiosity. But the prince was quick, trained at duelling from a young age, and danced around the ageing man, retrieving a blade discarded by a watching corpse. The bear launched again, swords grunting for an honour long forgotten. But the fight was already won, and soon the warrior king fell at the hands of the prince. The borrowed sword fell to the floor once more, merging with the screams of death. Attaining a note concealed in the satchel of one of the men and retrieving the near-lost woman, Oedipus returned to Daulis. A silence, now awful, returned to the night. The woman, Philomela, had turned out to be Procne's sister. The two men, guards, accompanying her to Daulis on command of Tereus himself. A harrowing ordeal. Daulis now felt, to Oedipus, as haunted a place as Corinth. The walls a barricade, the palace a dungeon. It was time to leave. Fate seemed to him an unusual companion. Procne had not ceased to shower him in thanks since his return and was appalled to hear of his resolute departure. But he was not welcome here. The gods decided so. Reluctantly, Procne sent him in the direction of Thebes, the home of her dear friend, the beautiful Queen Jocasta. A letter of the highest praise was awarded to him and, with a mind lost in the faces of dying men, Oedipus abandoned the forlorn town and set out for another. The story, Rest, has been foretold in stars, and fear in fate has marked itself with scars. Those eyes too dark to feel the pain I brought, I pity him, so lost by that he sought. A tale that must, I tell myself, be told, to men that seek to plague the world they hold. But through that mist I see myself again, and hear in me 
a mother's cry in vain. I would not be, I tell myself, I would not feel the crimes, and yet I stay, a god of none, as the liar stops sometimes. <laughs>